Hey guys, welcome to the Kingdom Mamas podcast, where we encourage and empower moms just like you to raise those babies in the way they should go. Hi, I'm Trudy Lineski, God girl, wife, mama four, writer, vlogger, and speaker. I'm super passionate about the next generation. Together, we can lead, guide, and direct them to stand confidently in who God has called them to be. Grab your copy, get comfy, let's get started. Happy Monday, Kingdom Mamas. I am so excited to welcome a community a warrior, warriors for Christ, a community of women who are coming alongside one another to build up God's kingdom, a community of women who refuse to stand back and let the enemy take the identity of our children. Anyway, we're going to talk about some nitty gritty stuff. We're going to talk about the fears that we're facing as parents, how we can give that to God. We're going to talk about the struggles that we see in our kids and those around our kids. And we're going to talk about how to combat each and every one of those things. All right, guys, (laughs) thank you for being here. Thank you so much. We have these women were part of my Raising Kingdom Girls group. And when I reached out and said, hey, who wants to come on on Zoom and talk about the struggles we're facing as parents? They jumped on that opportunity because they see what's going on in our world and they are using God to combat and to war against. This is our war cry, guys. This is our war cry. We are here for such a time as this. So with that said, I want to talk about some of the fears that you might be facing as parents. What are you seeing? What's going on? What are you fearful of? Ashley? This is especially timely for one of mine. I have, you know, I'm a mom of three and our oldest is saved. He's a believer. But I, my greatest fear is that kids would not come to know Jesus. That's my biggest fear. Our middle one right now, he is, I can tell God's working on his heart. And so that's one of my biggest fears is just that he wouldn't come to know God. And we have been, as a church, our pastor this year has encouraged us to find your one, that one person that you're praying for, that you're working on, that that you're committed to seeing come to know the Lord this year. And and that's my nine-year-old. I love that. You know, I think as moms, and I know several of you have multiple children, your kids are different. Each child is different. They're raised in the same household, but like they're they're so different. And I have some children who are open and receptive and waiting and hung and they're hungry for the Lord. And then I have others that are like, give me proof. (laughs) (laughs) Show me proof. Okay. Melissa, I know you wanted, I know you wanted to share. Yes. Probably some of my greatest fears in the past few months have been related to a lot of the issues going on in our country If you watch the news at all, there's plenty to be anxious and worried about. And then compound that with our kids who have been sometimes kept away for long periods of time due to virtual school or not being able to be with their friends or be at church based on all of the social distancing we've had to do, I think has compounded all of their issues as well as if they're on social media or have a phone, all those things have just been compounding on our youth, especially the teens, I guess. And um, our country has just seen such an influx of kids with problems related to 
psychological things. So my greatest fear is to not identify that in them and their friends and all the kids in our community. And unfortunately, there's not as much Christian-based counseling available as is needed. The, The demand has doubled, tripled, quadrupled. And even though we have great ones in the area, they're not able to keep up with the demand. And so just realizing that there's such a great need and wanting to be able to to do whatever I can to combat these issues of kids with depression, anxiety, thoughts of suicide, sexual identity is a big problem out there right now, combating drugs, alcohol. I could go on and on. You could, yes. <laughs> but there's, there's just so many things that we could get lazy in and let go by the wayside, but that we need to stand up and come and battle for them alongside them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you hit a good point there is that the counselors in our area, we've witnessed this personally, they're overwhelmed. Their schedules Mm -hmm. are overwhelmed and they can't, they can't even get to the children who may have those pressing issues like suicide. You have a suicidal kid and you can't even get into a counselor right now. For weeks, months, depending on how things are going. Yeah, exactly. And in Canada, they are banning conversion therapy. I don't know if you guys are aware yeah. of that. There's an actual law against conversion therapy. Those people struggling with sexual identity cannot go to a Christian counselor to be advised in that. If and I it, thought I'd heard that that had passed in Louisville as well, but I could be wrong. Yes, you were right. They're, looking, okay. they're, they're passing it in Louisville and they're trying to get it passed in Lexington and in California. I'm not sure if it's been passed in California, but it's, illegal for a Christian counselor to counsel somebody in that. So these are the times, these are the times y'all. Okay. So let's see, Laura, Laura Lee, you are next. Okay. I guess um, my biggest fear in this kingdom of raising children is just raising my children as a single mom and, you know, not having that backed up that I'm doing the right things and just the reassurance of, you know, a partner, their dad that has the same beliefs as me, that he is doing the right things on his time, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, do you have like male role models in your life that could come alongside you to partner with you in that? No, I don't. My father's passed away and they don't have any grandparents besides my mother. So just having a male figure that they, you know, that's a Christian, an active Christian that they can look up to, to know, especially my daughter, she turns eight next in the next two weeks. So she's already, you know, asking questions about, she got saved at church camp with Ashley's. Um, and she just has a lot of questions and just making sure that I'm answering those questions, right. You know, her dad doesn't go to church. So she, is on him all the time about not going to church and not listening to God radio as she calls it and just <laughs> things like that. So just reassuring her that trying to be a role model for her, but she's not seeing that, you know, because I'm not, I am a single mom and I'm not married to her dad. So that's a been a, a tough battle for me to try to teach her the right things with me not being in that role. 
Well, I want to encourage you. God is going to equip you. He's going to give you the words. He's going to give you whatever it is that she needs. And we're just going to pray and believe that God is also going to put someone in your path to be that father figure for her. I know you're, and I know the youth group and they are amazing. We go there on Wednesday nights. So yeah, we're, we're going to stand and believe that God, God, God will provide. And he's in the process of that now. So, all right, sister, I think Trista, you're next. Okay. So we have a difficult struggle in our household because my husband's a non-believer and I'm a believer. So my greatest fear for my kids is that, you know, my daughter has believed since she was five or six, she got saved when she was five or six and she was baptized shortly after. And my son, who's the middle kid is going to be seven in a couple of weeks. And he's, he's on a similar path. He believed very easily and, you know, just kind of was asking a lot of questions and everything. And then he was baptized last year. And so my youngest daughter is more of the struggle. She's more of the, I'm going to do whatever I want. And she's a daddy's girl and she loves being around daddy. And so, you know, each one of them has their own path, but I feel like just in this spiritual battle in our household as it is, it's a huge struggle to make sure I am portraying God. I'm portraying Jesus to them and to him because that's my greatest role in this world right now is to be that example for them. And my fear is that I'm going to stumble, which I have, and I know that I'm going to, but in that struggle, it's always, well, okay, God, I have to hear you right. And I have to hear you right this time because I'm it like I'm it. (laughs) And they have, my parents are very strong believers and in their lives. And so that's helpful too. But especially in the last year and a half, you know, we've been through a lot with my oldest daughter and her health and things like that. And so it's just been an interesting dynamic trying to figure all of that out. And so I just pray that God would give us all the wisdom and the strength that we need, because that's all I can hope for. Yes. Amen to that sister. Okay. We're going to lay down. We're going to take you off the hook. You don't have to be perfect sister, because in those failures, you get to show mercy and grace. And you get to show your children, you're not perfect. And every day we lay it down at the feet of Jesus. You know, I'm sorry, I messed up today. That's okay. Because that's humility. And we get to model that for them. So girl, keep on keeping on. You are a beacon of light for your family. And anything that tells you anything less than that is a lie. And we know that where that's coming from. Yes. Love you, girl. All right, Rhonda, you are next. Okay. Awesome. So, you know, when I hear the word fear, I have to say that I don't tend to go to that word because you guys know that fear is false evidence appearing real, right? So it's not really real. So the word though, that I gravitate towards is worry, right? Which is also something God doesn't want us to do. So if I think about the worry that I have, it's that my children or a specific person in my family will fail and end up something bad happening as we've seen before. And so as soon as I started to feel that though, the Lord keeps telling me, 
but do you trust me? <laughs> and I go, yes, Lord, I trust you. But you know what I see. And, and he's constantly reminding me that what I'm seeing with my natural eyes, I have to really look with my spiritual eyes because God is working behind the scenes. And so even though things look different and maybe not as I want them to be, but I have to know that there's still a process and there's, you know, God always reminds me of Joseph, right? And he said, there was a process to the palace. So if there's a process to the palace, why am I getting in the way of that process, right? If, if my, if God who loves my, my children and my son more than me, then why am I standing in the way? And I, to be honest, I feel like that's the battle for me mm-hmm. is that I want to stand in the way of failure of, of falling down of whatever. And, and it's really not in alignment with what God is telling me as his daughter to trust him with. And I have to say, Trudy, God brought me to this verse and it, would it be all right if I just read a short little verse? Okay. So this is from first Peter one and it's, I read the passion translation. So it's first Peter one five, and it says through our faith, the mighty power of God constantly guards us until our full salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. May the the thought of this cause you to jump for joy, even though lately you've had to put up with the grief of many trials. Amen. But these only reveal the sterling core of your faith, which is far more valuable than gold that perishes. For even gold is refined by fire. Your authentic faith will result in even more praise, glory, and honor when Jesus, the anointed one, is revealed. So I feel like it is a fire every day. We're like going through this fire and I'm like, okay, I'm getting refined. I'm like, how much refinement do we need? (laughs) You know, but God knows. So he does. I love, I love that. It's so good because in those trials and in those missteps is an opportunity for our children to lean in and receive what God has given them, that gift of salvation, that gift of forgiveness. Amen. Yeah. So good, but so hard, so Mm -hmm. hard to walk out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Can't I be the shield, right? Okay. So next question, what struggles are you seeing your children go through? Are there any that you're willing to name? What does that look like for your children right now in, in this season? Well, one struggle that my daughter recently is having is she was a Jojo Siwa ultimate fan And since she's, you know, this little Christian she's become, she came to me and said, she's seen it on YouTube that Jojo has a girlfriend. And, you know, she came to me with questions about it. And she said, I don't want to wear any more of my Jojo stuff. So that was a a proud mom moment, I guess, too. But then it kind of hurt my heart that at seven years old, she had to realize this on her own. And then somebody that she looked up to and admired, you know, did something that was wrong in her eyes. Mm -hmm. She just doesn't understand. So it it was, it was difficult for little ones to see that somebody that they are, you know, look up to. Absolutely. But you know what I have to say is good for you, mama, because you have raised her in a way that she is holding on to biblical truth. And she recognizes that because of you. 
and the upbringing and what you're doing in the home. So kudos to you, sister. Well done. Anyone else? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, being shut in basically for 18 months. Um, we were able to get, you know, start getting out again in the spring and all of those things. And so that was super helpful. But especially since last year, I pulled my kids and I started homeschooling them and they weren't able to see their friends like they usually would and things like that. And church got all jumbled because we couldn't go to church for a while. And then their normal Wednesday night got messed up. And so it's been a struggle for each one of them individually. You know, they're nine, seven and or 10, sorry, 10, seven and five, but they've all had to try to figure out, mom, where's my friends? Like, (laughs) where'd my friends go? I want to see my friends. I really miss them. And I say, well, we just have to pray that God will give us opportunities to see them and be with them. And so we've started our Wednesday nights back up, but they're really struggling with that too, because the Wednesday nights are not as attended as they used to be. Mm-hmm. And so they have, they still have some friends and we have some homeschool friends and stuff this year, which is better. And just their faith. I feel like they need, they need that Wednesday night. They need their Sunday school and, you know, Sunday school got started back up at the end of the school year. So they were able to be involved in that and do things like that. And their school curriculum was Christian last year. So they were able to hold on to that and build their faith through that. Yes, that has been so good for my kids too. It's yes. an immersive experience. It really is. But yeah, it is. So, you know, and my oldest daughter, when I pulled her out of school, she was really struggling with her identity, like who, who she really was. She wanted to wear makeup and she wanted to wear certain clothes and do all of these things, but she was nine at the time. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, honey, <laughs> you, you don't need that. God made you the way that you are. And so I think, you know, for me, it's girls cause they're my, she's my oldest. So I'm seeing it the most in her, but just their their identity and who they are. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to teach them that they are who God made them and they're special the way God made them. Mm -hmm. And they don't need to look like or act like the person they're seeing on YouTube or the friend that they see at school or even the friend they see at church, they're individual. And so I feel like God has just really put it on my heart to teach my children that because he's made each one of them special and he's put them on the path they're on Mm -hmm. for a purpose. And so I want them to see that and feel that and understand that and not live for this world, but for God. Amen. I mean, I think we could end right there. (laughs) That's awesome. Absolutely. This world is just trying to take and take away from who God has created them to be. And so it, Good for you for standing up against and just redefining who she is in Christ. That's so important. So, so important. (laughs) Michelle? So one of the biggest struggles that I experience, I have two daughters and anxiety has been through the roof for not only them, but for me as well. And so just trying to navigate that has been a huge challenge because they're very empathetic. And it's with the world we're living in right now, it's heightened. 
to a level I've never seen. Mm-hmm. I normally can really navigate it really well, but sometimes it's really hard to give them a sense of security when it's hard for me to feel that way. Especially I'm an empathetic person myself. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that that's definitely, you know, we feel everyone's feelings and it's it can be overwhelming for not just for adults, but for children as well. So I am homeschooling them Mm -hmm. um, because it was even more heightened to think that they wanted to, to have them go back to school. That was their choice, which has definitely helped, but the same type of struggles that I've been hearing about friends and getting that connection We do have our dance studio that is very supportive and I'm very grateful for that, but just having them understand that, you know, that there is hope and that we have to just bring positivity where we go because we feel the negativity more than ever. And it's very detrimental to their mental health. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that has been a huge struggle for us in our, in our household, yes. um, which go, comes with a lot of emotions. <laughs> yes. So Michelle and Rhonda both live in new England, which is a huge mission field in and of itself. They are living in post-Christian world right now. The church that we went to when, when we lived in New Hampshire, they've been trying to buy property for 12 years. They, the town of Hanover, which is where Dartmouth is very liberal. They only allow so many churches to be built within that town. So the town of Hanover will not allow them to purchase land, will not allow them to build a church. Y'all, this is the beginning. Rhonda and I have an aunt and uncle who are missionaries and they're like, we've been in communist countries, it's here. So they're living in a world that's very, it's post-Christian. They're fighting. They're fighting darkness like none other. We live in the South, so that's pretty, (laughs) you know, I think for the most part, we're pretty guarded here in Kentucky, but there are other areas of the world that it's, it's a mission field. So I won't keep on going on that, but I get it, Michelle, you're living in a dark area. You really are. There's, and we're going to pray through that. We're going to pray that, that there's a revival in New England. (laughs) Yes. Amen. I appreciate that. Needed. It's definitely needed. Living in this very small town, I've never seen so much negativity and darkness as I do today. Mm-hmm. The second I walk out my door, it's a different world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rhonda, do, what were you saying? I was saying, but God, I but mean, God, but Amen. God, you know, because the Lord, you know, put put in this. I don't want to segue from this, but the Lord put us in our strategic places. Wherever you are, is because God wanted you there to be an influence. It's not for any other reason. I speak the language of New Englanders, which is why I can reach scientists, engineers, and people that have never been to church before. God is here, and we are the revival. Amen. Amen. I love it. Thank you for being a warrior girlfriend. All right, Melissa, you are next. And then Jesse. Okay. Mine is a little different than what everybody else has been bringing up recently. I have one child who's a teenager and we are not a family that's pushed boyfriends, girlfriends, anything like that. But at this age, they're starting to 
all their friends are having boyfriends and girlfriends and they just usually want to be like everybody else, I think is part of it. So um, this child has a girlfriend as much as you do at this age that is basically a girl at church that he sees, you know, a couple times a week and then maybe at sporting events or things like that for the most part. Just learning to navigate that as a parent. We talk with him regularly about like what our expectations are and just, I don't know, we've talked about how whoever you date is going to be somebody that you would consider marrying, not somebody that you definitely are going to marry, but that you have that mindset. So I just thought that was worth bringing up to you. Some of you guys might have too little kids to really have to worry about that much, but I think it's always good to start thinking about, you know, what your boundaries are and what your expectations are and be an active role in that. And I'm just, I feel privileged that he has been willing to talk to us about it so openly as well, as openly as major is, I guess. Right. Right. I I think we, we're all, we have the same boundaries that you have, Melissa, you know, our thought process with regards to relationship is you date in order to find a spouse. Like that's, that's, and if you're not ready, you know, then maybe perhaps we need to hold off on that. Unfortunately to the outside world, that looks different, right? Mm -hmm. Like they question people, oh, you don't have a girlfriend. You must be fill in the blank. (laughs) And so, yes, I agree. Setting those boundaries. What does that look like for you and your family? You know, ahead of time in advance. And we actually had a sermon, our youth pastor had a sermon about this, like, okay. um, If you're dating, the purpose of dating is to find a spouse. And if you're not ready to get married, should you be dating? And so, so that was really kind of eye opening for us. And then also trying to talk with him about how your relationship needs to be right with Christ and that sometimes these kids can be looking for Mm -hmm. the love and affirmation they need from Christ from another kid. Um, Absolutely. Yes. And I, I'm guilty of that. I'm I'm guilty. Mm -hmm. I, I was searching in all the wrong places (laughs) when I was that age. So, so fill them up, fill them up with God and who, like Trista said, who, God says they are, and then our kids won't look for that validation, right? Right. Good stuff, sister. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Jesse. I'm Jesse. I'm a pastor's wife from Southern California, and um, I have an eight-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son. I have, I mean, this last year and a half, right, time has become all fuzzy. The last, you know, 2019 was just a couple months ago, I feel like in my brain. And that was a particularly trying season for my daughter as we all faced the heat of the world. Mm -hmm. And so my even number one and number two are kind of tied together. Um, This last year, a lot of growing. She made a profession of faith, which we're still testing to see if that's genuine there. There was a lot of emotion. I found myself discipling her a lot through the Psalms of Lament, you know, and really 
feeling those big feelings and telling God all about it and asking God to do what we want him to do Mm -hmm. and still saying, and I'm still going to trust you, Lord, and you're still good. And that kind of despair and hope coexisting together and, and bringing those emotions to the Lord and friendship is the, the theme I'm hearing here. And it's definitely been interesting for my daughter. We've been at a small church and our, our children population has really ebbed and flowed. She was the only child in the nursery for the first two years of her life. And people her age, she always tends to be the child who's the only one in her age category. Now they have a couple who come and then people moved and then the church grew and we're exploding with babies right now. And she's eight and there's like nobody really her age. And with school, we're now, we're also now homeschooling. She was in public school and we were just getting to a good spot where I was making an inroad with her kid, her little friend's moms and starting to have really good gospel conversations. And then the world shut down. So it's like, she really struggles in terms of having a friend. And I struggled with that a lot when I was younger. And I feel like even as an adult, it's been a difficult thing. And I I do feel like I have tried. We've done like there's a bigger church in our area that we align with theologically. You know, we've done a wanna there. I did mops there. I did like trying to like break into like a friend group and it just I feel like it just doesn't happen. You know, she invites all these girls to her birthday party. And then I get to see on Facebook, they've all had birthday parties and nobody invited her and myself in the same category. Like I invited them all to my baby shower. And then I get to see them all on Facebook having a baby shower. And I know every single woman in the picture and I wasn't invited. And I hate that because I'm like, wow, that makes me sound like the, like, you know, nobody likes me. Look at nobody invited me to anything. So I get where she's at and I'm like trying to help. And I'm like, I, don't, I just don't see Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the Lord, I know that the Lord knows. And I know that, I mean, the Lord was faithful to me in my life. And so I, but she's a very different person than me too. My daughter yeah. is much more, more emotional, more sensitive, more girly. She's eight, but guys, I feel like she's like 15. Like <laughs> with the different things that we're dealing with, I'm like, oh Lord, I didn't know the teen years were coming so soon. And so my husband and I were even talking um, recently where he even said to me, I think you just might, you might have to be her friend, Jess. Like, not that, you know, parenting philosophy, don't be your child's best friend. You still have to be an authority figure, but to to a certain extent. So even as I was pondering the first question, one of the gals said, I'm not really afraid. What are your fears? But in terms of an unknown, I don't have a good relationship with my mom. We're, I'm one of four girls. My parents were saved late in life. They're the only saved of all their extended family. They were part of a really unhealthy church as soon as they were saved and discipled in that. So I can look back and see and understand that my parents were at a specific spot and I still love them, but I don't want to emulate their parenting. And so all of my parenting has really been like, I feel like I'm the trailblazer. Like, how do we do this in a godly way? And how do I take what's good? Not that they did everything terrible. I appreciate absolutely some things, but to, to be able to make, do, do it differently. And because I didn't have a good relationship with my parents and my parents didn't foster good relationships with any of my sisters and me, that has been something where I'm like, okay, I want to foster openness and communication and build that trust and be like, she, she can come and talk to me about stuff. And I have been very specific in very specific like areas 
like, I don't know if you guys wanted to go this deep, but like in terms of sex, like my parents did not talk to me well about sex or my body or all of that kind of stuff. And I've been determined to do it well. So my eight-year-old knows everything, 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 and the scientific names for everything. And, and so does he. And it's really fantastic when he talks scientific names with people at church. And that's just the way that things are, because that's how, you know, so like, I feel like I'm trying in a lot of those areas, but in terms of the friendship, I just don't know how to do that. Not that I'm afraid of it, but it's unknown. I'm like, how do I foster that good relationship? And if she's lonely for friendships and the Lord has just not made allowances for that, like, how do I do that well in a way that glorifies the Lord where I'm still her authority figure, I'm still shepherding her and discipling her as I should, but also being the friend because she wants a friend and there's just not one to be had really yeah yeah I think it's okay for you to be that friend right now there was a period of time when I I probably still am that friend for my daughter and and that's okay that doesn't mean I'm her best friend but I kind of (laughs) am right well that's what I mean right because you kind of will be so how do you how do you walk that absolutely we set up expectations for friendships we set up boundaries for those too like this is a good friend and this is what that looks like and it's okay if this person is not your person you're not everyone is going to like you that was the hardest thing for my 11 or she's 12 now but that was the hardest thing like not everybody's going to like me, but you taught me that Jesus loves everyone and I need to love everyone. Like, why doesn't everybody love me? Like, Melissa, were you going to chime in on that too as well, honey? Yes. I kind of feel like the whole speech that she gave about her daughter is pretty similar with mine as well. And the whole time she was talking, I was thinking about Lola too. (laughs) I was thinking about your daughter. So you're not alone. I want Jesse to know that, that she's not alone in this struggle. Uh, I would say with my boys, it's not been so hard to have good relationships, good friendships for them. But for my daughter, it has been harder. And partially, I think all three of these girls we're talking about already do have some conviction about what they think is right and wrong Mm -hmm. and are strong personalities and maybe their personality isn't always taken well by other people, especially if their beliefs aren't what the other girls' beliefs are. So that can rub people the wrong way. Uh, But it is hard to try to be the mom and the friend. Uh, It can be exhausting (laughs) because she is opposite of me as well too. Like I relate better to the boys, even like adult boys better a lot of times than females. So it is challenging. I just wanted to tell her, you know, don't lose heart that I think God will provide somebody at some point. Um, But like you were saying to just continue to try to be as much of a friend as you can to her until that person comes along. And it doesn't have to be 500 people. Like some people think they have to have a whole huge group of friends, but if you have at least one, that's good. Can I just say something, Trudy? So, so this, this is about, you know, being your best friend or your kid's best friend and stuff. I I know I've heard that before. And all I have to say is, and my kids are old. I have a 24, 
21 and almost 17. So I've been through what you guys are going through. And the greatest gift I think my husband and I gave our kids is to know that we are, it's, it's not like you go, oh, you can't be a kid's best friend. You are their, their center in the sense of like guiding them and directing them. So I look at my oldest daughter who, you know, is in California now and calls me like almost every day. Now I do say, Hey, do you have friends you can talk to about this? But the one thing I have to say about that is she doesn't have a lot of friends that are grounded in the word. So there's a difference, right? Like we are grounding our kids in the foundation. And when that foundation is solid, you know, then things can come at them and they'll still stand. But um, I think for the fact that saying you're going to be your kid's best friend or not best friend, the fact that you love your children is better than a friend, right? Jesus said, we are a friend to all. And, you know, John 15, 15 talks about that. But for me, I think that it's really important because we are the ones that are going to guide them. And so they'll, my kids always knew if they were, if friends did said something negative or what, they could come to me. In fact, my friends even say, your kids talk to you about everything. And I'm like, yep, that's because I have no judgment zone. I say my door is always open. I learned years ago, if you close the door once, it will never get opened again. So never say, and I never did, I'm too tired to talk to you. I don't have enough time. I said to them always, I am here for you. And no matter what, no matter what you do, I will never judge you. I will always be there for you. There will be consequences, <laughs> but I'm not going to judge you in whatever happened because I want them to know I am the one that loves them more. You know, God loves them more. And then it's me and my husband. So oh my you're doing a good one, Jesse. I want to say Jesse's doing a good job yes. raising her girl, you know, her daughter and your, your relationship is going to be strengthened by what you're doing today. That yes. is, I can tell you. Uh-huh. Can we just talk about the mic drop of if you close the door once, it will never be opened again? Yeah. Woo, that's a good one. Summer, I saw your hand. Did you? Yes, I would. And I just, this is what I love about conversations like these, because what I'm hearing as we're talking about different struggles, there's a common thread in all of them. And that is just this whole new level of intentional parenting that I'm hearing from the hearts of these moms who just want so desperately to see their children do well and to be found faithful as disciplers of their children. And we are living in a world of parenting now more than ever, where it's no longer, you know, when all of us were growing up, it was like, well, there's the grown up problems and then there's the kids problems and they didn't really meet together. But now the problems are one and the same. And we as parents are having to learn how to navigate our own way of processing the world's problems and then translate them and help our kids walk through them in a way that is healthy and age appropriate for them. And so it is more than double duty for us as parents. And so it's now more than ever that we're having to lean into the wisdom and the strength of the Lord to help us in these times, whatever the struggle is, we need his wisdom and we need to be seeking him and our children need to see us seeking him. And I love what you were saying, Rhonda, and I love what Jesse has said and several others that have shared and just the conversations that you're having, the honesty that you're having, the safe space that you're creating for your children, because that's what's going to make the difference. You are being found faithful when you are creating that safe space and showing your children through this intentional parenting. I love you. Come what may. I don't have all the answers, but Jesus does. And I'm going to usher you looking towards him as I do the same. Whoa, girl. <laughs> yes. 
Hallelujah. Can we just raise a hallelujah right now? Yes. Intentional parenting at its best right here. Summer. That was awesome. Thank you. Okay. Well, girls, our time is about up. I've asked Rhonda to close us in prayer. I want to thank you again for being here. Thank you for sharing your time with us. Um, I look forward to what God has in store for our families because we we're, we're intentional. We're, we're doing this on purpose and we're championing the next generation to be disciples. So Rhonda, do you mind closing us in prayer? Absolutely. Well, Heavenly Father, we just give you all the praise and all the glory. Father, no matter what we're going through, no matter what storm comes our way, God, you are our rock and our foundation. Father God, I thank you that um, through any trial we go through, God, through any persecution we may endure, God, you are always there in the midst of it. We are never alone. You've never forsaken us, God, or left us. So Father, I pray for a blessing upon not only these women today, God, these mothers who are raising champions for Christ, God, and are raising children to be warriors for your kingdom, to be kingdom shakers, God. I thank you for them. I, I pray a blessing upon them and every listener that is listening to this broadcast, God. I thank you that you are going to give them the tools that they need, Father. And that comes really with Ephesians 6. We need to be reminded as women and as mothers to put on our own armor so that no matter what comes our way, we are totally prepared and ready for battle. I thank you that as our kids go out into their schools or if they're homeschooled, God, Lord, that we can make sure that the first thing they think about is that they are, whoa, loved. Oh, they are loved, God. And that is the key. Your love is the key to all things, God. It is the answer that we seek. So let our, our beautiful women today feel the love of the Father and let their children feel the overflow of that love in Jesus' name. Amen. Shoo. Amen. <laughs> Y'all. All right. Thank you, Rhonda. Amen. Amen. Hey, Mama, before you go, will you do me a favor? If you found this podcast encouraging and valuable, would you please head over to iTunes, leave a review, and subscribe to the show? Also, I'd love to connect with you. I can be found on social at Trudy underscore Lineski. Until next time, sweet girl, stand confidently in your calling. You are the mom for the job.